Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to another episode of Vitamin D&D, your weekly dose of Dungeons & Dragons, just what the DM ordered. I'm your host, Patrick, and here with me today, as always, is my fellow party member, Brady. How's it going? Good. What's up? What's up? Say, uh, no, you guys uh, listening won't be able to tell, but uh, it's been quite a while since we have uh, been able to record and talk to each other, mm-hmm. so it's always... Uh, great to you know get back to talking to each other not just about dungeons and dragons but about anything <laughs> for that matter yeah life does have a way of life always finds a way of <laughs> life, getting in the way life finds a way um thank you uh john hammond um yeah so uh on this episode tonight um we're gonna be talking through um the dice um, which, as I'm sure that you know, most people probably assume with no knowledge of Dungeons and Dragons that the dice are a big part of it. Um, you know, they, it's kind of the twenty-sided die is very iconic to Dungeons and Dragons. But as we're going to talk about here in a second, um, there are a lot of different types um, and a few different you know shapes, sizes, that sort of thing. And you use them for a lot of different things within the game. So it's, you know, the roll of the die creates that random um, and varied result. Um, and so um, one thing that it talks about in the Dungeon Master Handbook, or the Dungeon Master Guide, is um, being you know, knowledgeable about when to use a die roll versus when to not use a die roll. And so... You don't want to make your players, and I'm sure as a player you wouldn't enjoy just rolling the dice every time you say anything. Um, so it's important to, if there's ever like the chance of failure or the chance of like an amazing successful, uh, you know, result, that's whenever those dice rolls can really kind of drive that. And uh, just as an example that I've you know kind of got listed out here is. Um, Let's say Dungeon Master asks a player to, you know, you know, how they're going to get across some kind of gap, like a chasm. And a player says, well, I'm going to attempt to jump over it. And so a Dungeon Master may ask them to make some sort of roll of a dice to just, you know, determine what ability, see if they're going to be successful. And so a very high roll... Um, may lead to them, you know, jumping over the chasm with, you know, the greatest of ease, you know, just like Superman, you know, leaping small buildings in a single bound. Um, and so, you know, that might be the result of a really high roll. A, a roll a little bit lower than that may end up with the character still succeeding, but maybe, you know, not quite as spectacularly. You know, they kind of land and, like, fall on their face on the other side or end up just barely catching the edge and have to uh, haul themselves up there. Um, Whereas a very low roll could mean something a lot more catastrophic. Um, You know, just plummeting down to the bottom of this big chasm and, uh, you know, seeing what happens after that. So, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, um, I was just going to say, and this is also where it kind of comes into play, where... It helps to know as a DM, especially not not so much from the player's side, but um, like Patrick was saying about knowing when to make a roll. 
this is when it comes in handy knowing your players a little bit and knowing what their capabilities are. Not necessarily the person playing it, but the actual uh, the character that they are playing, because you know a lot of times something that might be something rather simple for one character might be different from another one, and it's just matter of keeping the game flow going and interesting points as Patrick was saying kind of I guess you could say quote unquote turning points of the action um, are good indicators of when to do what's called skill check roles uh, as Patrick was talking about but you know there are other little things just for if they're in downtime or if it's um, kind of offbeats in store or in the action that's a lot when you can sort of decide when you're going to make someone roll and when someone's not so let's say um you know if someone if you're out of combat and the adventurers are looking around a room or they're in a tavern or something like that and they say they want to go up and let's say they're in a tavern and they want to go up and talk to someone normally you know you could just do an actual interaction with the two of them or if you wanted to for the sake of speeding things up or just for keeping things interesting, you could have them roll a persuasion check or see what they're going to say an intimidation check or this or that or whatever. Um, or you could just say, you know, you go up to them and you start talking and then you can have the interaction that way. So that's, that's one thing. And then, as I said, with the turning points in the action, those are kind of the big things that you as the DM don't want to technically decide for that, in, that interaction or that action or, what is happening you want to leave that up to fate and that's what makes it fun is that element of oh this could be awesome if this succeeds or oh this could be awesomely bad if it doesn't and that's where you want to leave that fate and that chance to come in and it's kind of it's out of everybody's hands it's even out of the dm's hands it's truly just up to the role so yeah and that's where these dice come in right and that's what you know that's what makes you know a, a Dungeons and Dragons story so much more colorful, I guess in my opinion, than even reading like a fantasy book. Because you think about a fantasy book, and sometimes the characters can seem almost you know infallible, like they just can't mess up. And you know that may be like oh cool, like they're just you know this great like hero, but you know sometimes like you know. Sometimes they can't always do the most heroic thing every, at every moment. Sometimes they probably step on a loose brick, you know, while they're running and stumble. And so, like, that's just kind of something that can come up with, you know, those random dice rolls. Yeah, um, and it's, it's a good way of keeping everybody in check because you don't want that one person who who min-maxes everything and all of their rolls are awesome all the time and they get to succeed at whatever they do, whereas you have a first-time player that you know, randomly rolled all their their dice for their, their stats and stuff, and they they don't have the best thing. But that's that comes to, I think, make it more interesting and help with character building because you don't want somebody that's good at everything all the time. It's cool to have somebody that is kind of good at one thing, maybe great at one thing, and then also not so great at other things like real people are. So that's right. that's another way. It keeps it keeps the playing field, so to speak, somewhat somewhat level yeah and i think that you know it it makes it exciting too because as a player you know you may have ideas of you know how you want to accomplish the task but then whenever the dungeon master asks you to roll a certain role you may 
you know, <laughs> immediately realized that um, while in my head, like, oh, yeah, I should be able to hold up this gate that's closing down, uh, like, on top of us. I should be able to hold it up. But then whenever you say, I'm going to try to hold it up, um, and the dungeon master asks for, you know, a check of strength to see if you can do it, you immediately remember that you're playing a goblin. Um, <laughs> and you're very tiny, and you have very low strength. Um, but even in those situations, because of the randomness of the dice roll, the little goblin could roll a natural 20 um, to where, like, they're they're going to hold that gate. They may not be able to hold it forever, but it's not crushing them. And so it can be, the dice can lead to those moments where even... It, areas that you're weak in you can still sometimes have some level of success yeah um, and and also it's another way of it keeps things interesting because if while your party's doing a certain thing or the the dm is describing something and you might have an idea of some sort of check that you you know thinking meta thinking of a way to accomplish a, something or figure something out you may realize that you and none of your party members are good at whatever said check that you might have to do might be. So that way that makes you have to think of other ways to, you know, solve that problem. Cause I mean, I'm, if you see any type of memes or anything like that on anything about Dungeons and Dragons, you know, you always see the thing about where um, there was an orc and he, he wanted to, I can't remember what it wanted to be, but instead of having high charisma, he put it all in or he had high intimidation. So everywhere he went, he intimidated everybody into like saying, you don't see me. And it like, of course that's a whole homebrew thing, but you know, it's just, <laughs> it just shows a way of being creative about solving different problems when you are, you may not be specifically equipped to handle that situation, which is what most of D and D is, is not being equipped and finding a way out how to deal with it. Right. Going back to so briefly, I'm just going to describe um, kind of the the different dice that you um, may encounter and that you should probably you know get a hold of or borrow from some friends uh, whenever you decide Shiny to play. Math rocks. <clears throat> yes, um, and there's tons of jokes about once you get your first set of dice, then it it's kind of like. Um, you just become obsessed with getting more and more and fancy dice and all that sort of thing. And you think um, you'll be immune to it, and you're like, oh, no, nah, that's yeah. that was me. But <laughs> I, then, you know, I, after your second or third session, you're like, well, I mean, I need another set in case I start rolling bad with these. Right. Or, oh, you know, these yeah. this this color suits my character more. And then before you know it, you've got like 20 sets. Yeah, like there's there's a character that or a player that plays um, on the Critical Role show, and she literally has a dice jail mm-hmm. that she whenever whenever she's making rolls with certain dice and they're not doing well, she puts them in the dice jail, and so she she just has it like on the table with her as she plays, and so um, she probably has like just huge bags full of dice that she doesn't even use anymore because they've failed her too many times. Um, but, um, so those, all those dies, all those die can range from, uh, a D20, the iconic, uh, Dungeons and Dragons dice that you do a lot of the ability checks and probably is going to be what you're rolling the most. Um, and then 
underneath that is a, a wide variety of other die, um, whether it be a D4, which is like a little pyramid. And then you've got the, the D6, which is the standard die that everybody has seen in their lives that, you know, you play craps with at Vegas. Yahtzee. And play, yeah, Yahtzee and, you know, what is it, Farkle and... Um, oh, let me some Farkle. <laughs> what is it, uh, you know, Monopoly, Life, all that stuff, um, all has the D6. And then there's a D8, a D12, a D10, um, and just depending upon what abilities and, you know, skills that you're using whether it be a certain kind of weapon you know a rapier may use a d8 for an attack versus a short sword may use like a d6 i think off the top of my head and a dagger would use like a d4 um, and so those are generally like the standard die that you would need to play with and you don't even need the actual physical die if you don't want to, you can just buy a dice rolling app. You can even Google uh, roll a D4, I believe, and it will pop up on the screen with like the shape of a D4, and you can just click it, and it'll roll it, um, which most, some people don't like that just because they think it's you know it's a computer program. can't really be sure exactly how. They don't think it's truly, how random. truly random, yeah. Whereas like, a dice roll feels more pure. Um, so those are just the you know other die, but then the uh, the sh- you know star of the show, like I said, is the d20, and uh, so that's what you know most of the time you're using for um, your ability checks, attack rolls, and your saving throws, and those are like the three big things that you'll be um, you know, rolling for throughout the game. Um, Brady, you want to talk uh, real quick on the diff- what is advantage and disadvantage? Yeah. So advantage and disadvantage is uh, pretty much is it relates mostly to the D20. Well, it relates specifically to the D20. There's two different things you can use it for. It's in, or not two different things, but there are several different things. So it's mostly for in combat and then for any other skill checks, really, and this is all DM discretion, but basically, if you have advantage, you would roll the d20 twice and take the higher number, and if you have disadvantage, you would again roll the d20 twice and then take the lower number, and then you would add your modifiers to it. But it's basically an example for advantage would be, in combat would be... um, Let's say you were able to sneak surprise. up behind, yeah. yeah, surprise or sneak up behind or get the jump on something or many other things. Maybe you have higher ground or maybe the sun is glaring in their eyes. Again, it's it's the thing of DM yeah. discretion, but um, the person that has advantage, let's say to roll the D twenty to attack and to or to see if they hit, they would roll their D twenty once and then take the number. Say it's twelve. They would roll the d20 again and say it's 5. They would take that that 12 and then add their modifiers, and that's the roll. Whereas disadvantage is the exact opposite. You would roll the die twice, like I said, and take the lower of the two. So 
say you were in combat and you were fighting on an icy something i don't know, like an icy pond or there was a, a a slick sheet of ice and you were standing on top of it and you said you wanted to try and leap forward 20 feet and make a leaping lunge with your great sword um the dm if he wanted to could say all right well you have disadvantage on your athletics check uh to jump because you don't have good footing so roll with disadvantage so you would roll your d20 take the lower of the the two numbers and um add your modifiers so it's just a way of giving situational modifiers or kind of interesting situations into into other things and just and keeping it just in, interesting yeah and um like brady said there's there's some instances like some abilities that call for advantage or call for disadvantage on a roll but you know 90% of the time it's going to be the dungeon master's discretion of kind of if he if he or she feels that you know the random roll of the d20 um on this ability isn't quite you know random enough and that like if the action that the person is doing is a little more assured of happening successfully they may say well roll with advantage because you know you're you know the chances of this going successfully are pretty good but i still want you to roll for it for some element of randomness yeah it's kind of not necessarily the odds being in your favor but when your character is more adept or yeah in a better position for whatever it is that they're doing or in a worse position or not as adept. It just helps kind of with the keeping in the immersion and the, the role playing part of it. Right. Um, yeah. So that's advantage and disadvantage. It's fairly simple. Um, and as a player, you, you know, will encounter it to varying degrees, uh, as you play along. Um, so next thing we're going to talk about is, these abilities that we keep talking about. And in the fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons, there are six main abilities. And those abilities are strength, dexterity, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma. Um, and so those six abilities, um, you know, whenever we talk later about making your character and we'll we'll do an episode where we actually create characters for ourselves um we'll go a whole lot more in depth on you know why you would choose different um abilities to you know make stronger or you know whereas like you may feel like i can sacrifice a little bit in a different category depending upon the character you want to play um so first thing first one we're going to talk about is strength brady you want to talk about the strength ability. Yeah, sure. And and an easy way to think about these is, you know, there's the six. You can divide them into the two categories of bodily and then intellectually or kind of of the mind. So you've yeah, got strength, dexterity, kind of constitution. Yeah, and strength, dexterity, constitution are the things that deal with your body and your character's physical things, while intelligence, wisdom, and charisma are more of the mind. And they can also in, influence... Some physical things and strength, dexterity, and constitution can also vice versa. But anyways, uh, that's a good way just to break it down and kind of remember it. But strength, uh, that's going to be your 
again, your sort of physical prowess, your power, uh, your force that you can do, and this kind of just literally your your strength. So uh, this would also kind of help determine the look of your character a little bit. So someone higher in strength is going to be maybe a bit more burly and brawn and have muscles or, you know, that sleek sort of lean type of, of muscular thing while someone low in strength might be a little bit more scrawny, a little bit more skinny, maybe a bit bigger, but more in the sort of portly, portly <laughs> way being plump. Rotund. Yes, rotund. Uh, so that just kind of might influence that. But examples could be, like Patrick was saying, holding open a gate and or picking up something heavy or breaking a chain off of a gate or throwing something maybe picking up a teammate and throwing them across the chasm you know to get them across that gap so that's that's sort of the strength and that also um, has some bearing on your attack modifiers for uh, if depending on what type of weapon that you're using but we can go into that later but just bear in mind that some of these do affect some of your attack rolls and other uh, abilities yeah, so, and we'll definitely have an episode um, coming up on combat. So I think that'll probably be a great place to talk about um, where strength and dexterity kind of go hand in hand with what weapons you're going to be using. Um, and speaking of dexterity, um, dexterity is the next ability, and it kind of is in reference to your physical agility, you know, your the speed of your reflexes, you know, and your balance. Um, even your initiative, which is the, you know, you roll to determine where you go in order of combat is a dexterity ability check. And so a character with high dexterity is probably very lithe and slim, um, where as a, you know, character with low dexterity might be awkward and clumsy, um, or very heavy and like, you know, big meaty fingers and can't, you know, do things. A great you know. big bushy beard. <laughs> a great big bushy beard. Um, uh, great movie. Um, <laughs> let's see. You know, so somebody with low dexterity might, you know, not be able to do something with it. Might require, you know, very fine touch and very, you know, delicate touch. Like um, picking a lock. Yeah, like picking a lock, and so that that's why somebody who's bad at dexterity might go with the strength and just break the lock. Mm-hmm. Um, so when at first you don't succeed, strength. break it. <laughs> um, and so some examples of uh, dexterity um, type activities would be, you know, if somebody if an enemy were to like grapple you and like grab a hold of you, if you're able to wiggle free. Um, or sneaking past a guard, you know, being stealthy, um, or balancing, you know, as you walk across a narrow ledge, you know, around the outside of a castle wall, that sort of thing. Or um, dodging or, traps or dodging attacks, yeah. uh, depending on certain situations. But, yeah, it's just yeah. your ability to react or um, sort of, as Patrick said, focus in on the small... You know, being good with your hands and stuff like that. So the minute details, um, yes. and like Brady said, the you know reacting quickly to traps. That's going to be something we talk about a little bit in the saving throws section here in just a second. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a lot of times, you know, these abilities 
um, we'll talk about later, they can help you with avoiding bad stuff. Um, and want to talk about our next ability, Brady? Yes, Constitution. Um, oh, and also, I meant to mention this earlier, so another yeah. good way to sort of sum up these six things um, is tomatoes. And I know that sounds weird, but uh, I heard oh. it put one way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you can think of all these six with tomatoes, as in strength is how easily you can crush a tomato. Dexterity is how easily you can dodge a tomato being thrown at you. Constitution is how well you can withstand eating a rotten tomato. And intelligence is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. And charisma is how well you can sell a tomato. So that just sort of sums it up, but um, I just wanted to <laughs> no, throw that out there because it's something it? that how, stuck with me. How well you can sell a tomato-based fruit salad. <laughs> yes, yes, how well you can, yes, exactly. So I, I meant to say that earlier, but that's just a good way to sort of, when you summarize it and look at yeah. things. But constitution is basically dealing with your your health, your stamina, your um, your ability to like sort of resist poisons, your your body's ability to withstand outside forces and things that are doing things to your own body and health. So um, again, with the appearance side of things, constitution, somebody would look pretty with a high constitution might look pretty healthy, uh, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed, as we say, and have a lot of energy. Whereas with someone with a lot of low cons or with low constitution uh, might look kind of, you know, old or sickly and frail and uh, not, you know, not as, able-bodied um so like you know imagine a wizard wizards probably wouldn't have that great a constitution it stereotypically speaking you know you can make a wizard however you want but when you think of a you know a regular D, &D wizard with the pointy hat and the staff it's kind of you don't imagine them with much constitution mm -hmm. but uh constitution also affects how many hit points your character has and how many they gain each time they level up um it also affects um Let's see, on long and short rests, how many hit points you can get back. Um, but constitution checks and things like that would involve, um, let's see, like I said, at the end of a long day and a long travel, you take a long rest, um, how well your body is able to recoup and you know recover and things like that. Um, again, uh, resisting poison, that's kind of a big one, or grabbing hot metal without flinching, or also coming down to winning a drinking contest or an eating contest, and how well you can keep down what you just devoured or drank, and the higher constitution, the more your body's going to be able to withstand it, the lower, the less it's going to have. Yeah, and one one interesting, um, let's say, kind of variable of constitution is like how long you can hold your breath underwater. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that's one thing that has kind of come up, you know, a few times in the different Dungeons and Dragons you know, live plays that I've listened to is um, suddenly they find themselves uh, trying to do a whole lot of underwater swimming. And it's like, uh, well, like, how long can you hold your breath? <laughs> like, um, you know, and that your constitution goes into, you know coming up with what that number is for your character. Yeah, it's basically how long it takes for the underwater dying music from Sonic to start playing in the background. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
let's see. Uh, so next uh, next ability is going to be intelligence. Um, so intelligence is going to be a measure of your mental acuity. You know how sharp, how uh, quick witted are you, and uh, even how fast you can recall information as far as you know what has happened recently or a name that maybe you know. Did I, I feel like I've heard that name recently. That would be like your intelligence score. Or even solving puzzles um, would be your analytical skills. Uh, so a character with uh, high intelligence might be that you know, very stereotypical wizard. Um, you know, very studious, you know, very bookish. Uh, while a character with low intelligence might be you know, kind of dim-witted or speak very simply, use small words. Uh, and not really remember, you know, details one day to the next. Um, and intelligence is also the spellcasting ability for wizards. And so there, it's, it, be, it would behoove you to have a high intelligence score if you're playing a wizard class, because that's gonna what's going to give your uh, spellcasting its oomph. Um, mm-hmm. Some examples of... You know, some intelligence-related tasks are, you know, recalling some lost bit of forgotten lore, so some bit of random history that, you know, you can maybe, you know, you remember reading whenever you were being a nerd in the library, Um, or decoding some some type of message, you know, some type of complicated cipher, or, you know, recognizing, you know, this random item that to somebody with low intelligence might just appear like a random item, but to you with high intelligence, that's that's a clue. That's significant. That's just not any you know household object. Um, and uh, say sometimes the the next ability kind of gets confused with yeah, they're a little muddled sometimes. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'll have to I'm gonna toss it over to Brady and then. Uh, there was a part of the Dungeon Master guide that references um, comparing intelligence and wisdom that I'm going to glance at real quick and talk okay. about with okay. you. So, yeah, uh, while he looks that up. So, wisdom is kind of like your awareness, your intuition, and your ability to judge someone and what they're saying to see if they're true or not. Uh, and these are just sort of the general ways. And charisma is also, um, you know, your ability to speak. So if you have higher charisma, you can do things like you can persuade uh, people more easily. You can intimidate. You can talk to people more easily. Um, Usually it's ways of interacting with people or using your speaking skills or other things to be able to just talk to people and communicate. So someone with higher charisma may would usually be a better leader or uh, be the one of the group that's like, let me do the talking because they can talk their way out of things um, or just be able to make something up and have such bravado about it to where, you know, it's, it's believable for whoever it is that they're talking to. And wait, were we supposed to be talking about wisdom? 
<laughs> um, but I think you did a really good job of talking about charisma. So, uh, okay. and that well, that was just that's... a good uh, pausing <laughs> while you were looking up the wisdom. I needed, no, I, I did that to separate it so we uh, we could have yeah, a separation no. and not yeah, muddle yeah. them together. So yeah, I'll, I'll throw it good. back over to Patrick for for the wisdom portion, right. things, which I do um, not have. As uh, <laughs> uh, as intended, um, it all worked out. All right, so so wisdom, um, the ability it uh, is in reference to your awareness, um, your in- intuition, or your insight. Um, a character, you know, with high wisdom has good judgment, um, empathy, and a general awareness about what's going on. Kind of the between the lines of what's going on. Um, Somebody with low wisdom might be absent-minded or foolhardy or oblivious to what's going on. Um, and wisdom is the spellcasting ability for the clerics, druids, and rangers um, categories, or the sorry, the classes. Um, examples of tasks that might call for a wisdom check would be um, spotting a hidden creature or um, sensing that someone is lying. Um, so that would be like, you know, the insight to know that like, mm-hmm, eh, seems like they're not being quite truthful. Um, yeah, and the, the spot of hidden creature thing that goes into one of two things that you will be doing a whole lot, uh, mm-hmm. which your DM or your dungeon master will probably be asking you a lot is, uh, your perception or to roll, roll a, perception a perception check. <laughs> so that's basically, it's not necessarily because when, a, when you walk into a room, you know, the, the dungeon master will describe everything that you see and it's not basically roll a perception check. And then he tells you exactly everything that you see again, but it's basically a way of noticing things that aren't as easily noticeable or things that stand out. And also this affects your, passive perception which is a way of doing sort of on the fly checks where if you don't do perception checks all the time it's a way of knowing having a baseline score of perception so if as the dungeon master has like a goblin that's stealthed in the corner and they just walk into a room if your passive perception is higher than that goblin's stealth roll then you will detect it because you are that aware. Whereas if you had a lower perception, passive perception, then you wouldn't notice that goblin over there and they could get the drop on you. And, but if you walked into the room and then said, you know what, I'd like to do a perception check, then, then you could roll. And that roll, even if it is lower than your passive perception, you still take that because that is your active skill that you are using at the time not the passive one of just your awareness that, you know, so that's just one thing to bear in mind. Yeah. And that's one thing that I've, I've kind of encountered that some dungeon masters will differ on is that they'll ask for a a perception check, but if somebody rolls really bad, you know, the dungeon master might say, well, you've got a passive perception of, you know, 14. So that's fine. Just take 14. It's like, "Eh, no, like there's a, there's a difference between, Active perception and passive yeah, perception. Passive, exactly. You know, passive is just what you notice while you're walking along the road. Like, active is what you notice whenever you're actually looking. Yeah, it's you like know. when you take. Yeah, exactly. When you're, <clears throat> it's the difference of 
when you're walking down the street, like in real life, when you're walking down the street and you're just kind of bebopping along either on your way to school or you're in between classes or on your way to work or something, and you're just walking along, it's all the things that you just notice without having to try to notice. Whereas an active perception check would be you're walking along and you pass an alley and you think you saw something, so you stop and you're actually intently looking down that alley and paying attention and listening trying to figure out or see what's out of place. So that's sort of the difference mm-hmm. between active and passive is you're actively trying to hear something as opposed to passively. It's just everything that you can kind of hear on your normal, you know, senses. Yeah. And, uh, that's definitely said so the, <laughs> the low roll on the pass on the, uh, perception check is always an unnerving thing because <laughs> as a player, you're all you're thinking about is oh my gosh why is he asking me to roll a perception check, and then if you roll a really low perception check, oh you're crap like, what oh, did I not what see? Did I, yeah, what am I not seeing? Just like the <laughs> how many traps like, are in this room? The sky or something? Yes, like, you failed you to notice that there is no floor before you step out in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's what there was. Uh, literally an example of that. There was one time uh, I was, you know, playing a character. Um, and I tried to dash out of a room to flank an enemy group that was you know, closing in on my friends and get the drop on them. And I rolled a very low perception check as I, ro- as I sprinted out the door. And little did I, you know, what I missed was the like 10-foot hole that uh, my tiny little 4-foot halfling character fell down into. Um, and uh, was therefore trapped. <laughs> so it's... Uh, it was it was one of those one of those moments where low perception definitely uh, proved bad for me. But that's uh, the fun of the game, right? It just and it's you know it just introduces like like we said that random you know bit that adds to the storytelling, um, you know, without having to you know just make it up off the fly. Um, right, so straight out of the Dungeon Master guide is uh, kind of a little blurb about, you know, kind of differing between intelligence and wisdom. Um, so it says that there's there's two um, there's ways to think about it, and uh, it may make it easier if you think about, you know, what a very high or a very low score in those two abilities might mean. So a character with very high wisdom but very low intelligence is aware of the surroundings but is bad at interpreting what they mean. Um, The character might spot that one section of the wall is clean uh, and dusty, or clean or dusty compared to the others, but they wouldn't necessarily make the deduction that that is a secret door. Um, In contrast, a character with high intelligence but low wisdom is probably oblivious but clever. The character might not spot the clean section of the wall, but if asked about it, could immediately deduce why it's clean. Um, so, and it says, let's see, wisdom checks allow characters to perceive what is around them, while intelligence checks answer why things are the way they are. Yeah, that's good. I've I hadn't I hadn't read that or heard that. Yeah, that's what I. Just been kind of reading through the, uh, you know, all the ability checks, uh, not just from the, you know, player's handbook, but it goes a little dive deeper into 
what each of them mean in the Dungeon Master Guide. Um, so I've been yeah, kind of and, through those. Yeah, and, and like Patrick said, we're we're going to go in depth more on the actual each perception or perception each ability check that there is because there's the six main ability checks and then broken down in and under those are even more specific things so uh there's things uh trying to think of one off so for there's a strength check and then there's also an athletics check which falls under strength but your character can have a sort of i guess you could say specialization in that athletics so they get their strength um addition to the modifier and then they also get a little bit more added to that modifier because they have high athletics so um and that's the thing where it comes down between athletics and acrobatics is one is dexterity based and then one is uh strength based so uh, but we'll go into that more, but just to give you an idea of that there's not just those six that can cover everything. You can play it to where just those six can cover kind of all of your things, but it's it's better to have them broken down. Uh, whenever we go over a character sheet, it has all those listed, and we'll we'll go over all those later. But just, uh, just to kind of give you a, an idea of things to come and things to be aware of for when we, we move on down the line. Yeah, so let's see, we're just trying to give you a very, like, top-level... Um, interpretation and guide into you know what each of these abilities are um, just for now and you know as we go the things that we you know address every episode are just gonna build and build and build on everything that we've addressed previously until you know one day you'll know like a tenth of <laughs> what what all of this means <laughs> and, and just just like us um you'll you'll know nothing yeah exactly you'll be that much closer to knowing nothing yeah <laughs> or as uh what is it um as let's say somebody recently said i have an approximate knowledge about a great many things it's like there's a great many things that i know very very little about i know something about them not a lot but a, a little bit um <laughs> one of them's in one of them is dungeons and dragons um so, um, so kind of building off of uh, all those ability scores, uh, like we just discussed, um, the next kind of category of uh, roles or checks that you're going to be making <clears throat> on occasion with um, with the d20 die uh, is going to be um, the saving throw. Um, and a good way to think about a saving throw is that a saving throw is always in reaction to a negative thing that is that either you're doing to an enemy or that is happening to you. And so a sa- you know a saving throw wouldn't be you know used to I'm gonna see if I can run up this wall. Like a saving throw <laughs> would be to you try to run up the wall and you you know jump or you kind of run into like some kind of trap that's laid you know within the like some kind of recessed you know compartment within the wall like and that's what's going to make you you know some kind of negative effect is about to impact you so about to 
take effect. Yeah, they are reactions to specific things that cause those saving throws. So, like Patrick was saying, you do something and I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, Uh, I think the fireball spell, I think, asks for a dexterity saving throw. And that's essentially to see if you can jump out of the way um, and avoid taking the full brunt of that fireball spell's damage. Um, Oh, and um, there's uh, like wisdom saving throws for there's certain Mm -hmm. spells where the character casts, the the player will cast a some sort of spell that interacts with the creature's mind or something like that, and that creature will have to make a wisdom saving throw to resist the thrall of that person's spell or whatever but it will it will say in the spell description or the ability description that such and such has must make a whatever saving throw and it will tell you and that's when you use those specific ones they aren't really just the checks that you throw around they are the specific things in relation to spells or abilities that will tell you when someone or you need to do it right and so you know like brady said in the player's handbook or in the dungeon master guide it's going to spell out exactly when you're going to use these certain abilities you know like a certain spell is you know i think it's there's i think there's poison spray um and i think with poison spray you have to make a constitution saving throw or um or you, you know, if and if you fail that saving throw, then you are poisoned. Um, I probably just totally botched the description for poison spray, um, but I'm uh, going to speak about it like I'm intelligent. Close enough, you know, just off the top of the noggin. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> so, <laughs> just off the top of the head, like that's that's a good example, even if it's not <laughs> the literal example. Um, and uh, you know, so. Um, and there, and so like, there's also cases, uh, where a dungeon master may call for a saving throw to be made if they feel it would be appropriate. Um, some examples would be if you're on some kind of precarious footing and, you know, some, someone pushes you, um, and you, you know, the dungeon master may ask you to make a dexterity saving throw to see if you maintain your footing or plummet, you know, off of whatever, you know, rickety bridge you're standing on or that sort of thing. Um, So a lot of it's just, you know, situation dependent, just like all the ability checks too. Yeah, and also characters can have either advantage or disadvantage on these saving throws, which will be in yeah. her character description, but that's also just something to, to bear in mind for the future. Yeah, um, and those advantages um, that Brady was talking about, that's called proficiencies. And so, you know, a character, you know, certain characters have, uh, they have proficiencies regarding, you know, constitution saving throws or wisdom saving throws or dexterity, that sort of thing. Um, and it just depends on, um, a lot of that can be, I think a little bit of it can be class specific, but there's also, a lot of it is your choice too, um, which we will 
get in, you know, all into whenever we build characters. Um, a lot of times, you know, you choose which saving throws you're going to be proficient with. Like if you know that your character is you know, very strong and is going to be a very like strength-based character, you would probably definitely want to put strength saving throws as what you one of the ones you're proficient with. That way, whenever asked to make a strength saving throw, then of course the strength-based character is going to succeed or have a much better chance of succeeding. Um, do we want to talk about death saving throws real quick? Just mention those that that's kind of really the other big. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that, yeah, you can, you want to talk about that. A death saving throw is when your character drops down to zero hit points. It does not mean that they die. That just means that they go unconscious. So when a character goes unconscious, uh, they're referred to as what's being unstable. And that just means that you're basically in this state of, if you are not attended to, healed, or someone does a medicine check on you, you have the possibility of your character actually dying. So what you would do on those circumstances, yeah, so let's just say... Uh, you're going in initiative order, and you're number you're second in line, and you drop down to zero hit points. So you go unconscious, and you are unstable. So play and round continues. When it comes back to you, if no one has healed you or used a medicine check or done anything to try and stabilize you, you would roll a death saving throw. And death saving throws, you have you just roll your d20. And depending on the role, you'll either fail it or you will pass it. And Patrick, correct me if I'm wrong. If you get three failed death saving throws, your character dies. Mm-hmm. But if you get two, then you um, are stable and you do, don't have to roll anymore. But if you roll a critical miss, that counts as two. And then yeah. if you roll yeah, so a, a yeah, so a rolling a a one is counts as two fails. Rolling a twenty, um, the way I um, I would actually have to reference and check that out uh, to see what the um, handbook or the dungeon master guide says. But we always said that if you roll a natural twenty, that you pop back up conscious with one hit point. Um, I don't know. Okay, see, I, yeah, I well, don't know if that's homebrewed or. Yeah, we had always played it where stable and if you, you don't have to. Keep yeah, making. if you rolled a twenty. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. If you rolled a twenty, then you were stable. You were still unconscious, <clears throat> and you were. Uh, you were just stable, and you could get back up once someone. Yeah, healed someone you, healed you. Yeah, yeah. check or yeah, or helped you or gave you a potion or something like that. Um. Hmm. But basically, those are very important roles, and they're something that we'll go into much more in depth uh, once we get to the combat phase of things. But it's just another big important thing that the dice decide and yeah. that you don't really have much of a say in. So <laughs> just wanted to put that out there and make yeah. you aware 
of uh, just how important the dice can be sometimes. Yeah, as I say, with all the abilities and that sort of thing, um, you know, even low rolls with certain abilities can still be okay. But <laughs> like, if you don't succeed on those death saving throws, then that could very well mean the end. Um, but in Dungeons and Dragons, at certain points, the end doesn't have to mean the end. So. That's right, and that's something we'll have to discuss in another episode. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think uh, I think that's going to about do it for today's episode. Um, just to recap, you know, we just kind of talked about the dice and their importance and those six major statistics <clears throat> that define your character. And, uh, you know, we'll go over those again in more details and in more depth in a future episode. So just make sure you tune back in for those future episodes. And uh, you can, if you have any questions about anything or have any ideas or suggestions of topics we should cover or have any feedback on anything that we have talked about on any of our previous episodes, you can hit us up on our podcast email, which is vitamin D and D podcast at gmail.com. That's vitamin D N D the letter N D podcast at gmail.com. And also hit us up on our Facebook page. We're going to have a Facebook group to where you can post in there and start discussions and ask us questions and leave us suggestions and things like that. Uh, that we will get to and read and hopefully incorporate into the show and uh, just hopefully help answer any other questions. So, uh, Patrick, was there anything else? Any yeah, um, say you had to just say? A, a quick throw in. Um, say, dice, uh, you know, don't be intimidated by, you know, you know, gosh, like I feel like, you know, do I have to go buy like some fancy die? Like you can buy like, you know, there's sets of dice, like all the dice that you would need at Target. Um, and even, you know, whenever I was deployed overseas, I bought, I think it was six or seven sets of dice for my friends um, whenever we were playing for like $12, $15, um, like total, like not each. And um, so that's one thing to keep in mind. And, uh, you know, they're not going to break the bank. You know, those might not be the best, high, you know, highest quality dice. Um, They'll get but, you started, though. Yeah, they're still, you know, for, for what you're using them for, they're just fine. Um, so, you know, you can find them almost anywhere. So just, you know, find yourself a cool little set of dice and uh, get rolling. Yeah, don't be intimidated by the dice. Don't yes. think you have to have the nicest, prettiest dices. Or just as long as they roll and they work, it's all that matters. Steal all the D6s from uh, all the board games and Yahtzee shakers. Yeah, all the Yahtzee. And, around yeah, the house. All that stuff, so. <laughs> yeah. All right. But, uh, yeah, I think that's it. And I think uh, that'll do it for this week. All right. Well, thank you for joining us and uh, tune in to our next episode where we'll dive into more D&D stuff and you can get another D&D fix but uh, join us next time and we'll see you after your long rest.